welcome to the Have A Crack podcast, the show that allows at least one person to rant and rave about anything and everything going on in the beautiful game that is football. I'm your usual host, Luke Peach, joined by my usual fellow co-host, George Camp. George, hello. Hello. Did you enjoy the football this weekend, George? I did. Is that because West Ham won? (laughs) You know what? Just all round, it was a good. Uh, it was a good bunch of results, wasn't it? Well, I thought it was anyway. So, yeah, I I explained to a, a friend of mine who's an Arsenal fan, funnily enough, um, that I went from a little bit of misery to being fully erect by the end of the football weekend. Um, thanks to what happened to his to his team. Um, um, before we get started, guys, uh, of course. Uh, I need to draw some attention to the late, great Gerard Houllier, former Liverpool and Aston Villa manager, who unfortunately died this week at the age of, I believe, 73. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Loads of tributes pouring out for him um, all over the footballing world. Stephen Gerrard, Alex Ferguson, basically anyone with a name um, in the Premier League recently. And obviously loads of Liverpool fans, loads of Liverpool players paying their respects to what a great man he was. George, do you have anything that you want to bring to attention before we start? Not really. Uh, the only other thing, Mark Wright signed for Crawley Town, which I couldn't believe. Mark um, Wright? What, the goalkeeper? No, Mark Wright as in Towie, Mark Wright. Oh, bloody hell. Okay. <laughs> Paul Crawley. <laughs> right, we will jump right in with our first deep dive, and I see no better place to start than Arsenal versus Burnley. Uh, Arsenal versus Burnley happened on Sunday. It was part of Sunday football. Um, Final score was Arsenal nil, Burnley won. Burnley winning at the Emirates for the first time since, I don't know, like, I don't know, records bloody began um, from what I could tell. Um, The good news, Arsenal fans, is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang did score in this match. The bad news is it was into your own goal uh, because it was an own goal from him on the 73rd minute that gave Burnley all three points. That being said, there was something else that happened in this match that kind of helped Burnley get all three points, and that was Granit Xhaka thinking he belonged to the WWE because he decided to try and choke slam one of the Burnley players in the middle of the pitch. And I'm not being funny, guys, but if you haven't seen Arsenal Fan TV this week, go and watch it. Grab a bag of popcorn because it will make you laugh your head off. Uh, overall, um, kind of... A bit of a repeat from the Arsenal Spurs game with Arsenal having more of the ball, more shots and all this kind of stuff. All the stats were in the right direction for them, apart from the ones that mattered. There's mounting, mounting pressure on Mikel Arteta after this game. Uh, He came out and said the red card for Xhaka was completely unacceptable, um, much like he did with the Nicolas Pepe uh, red card as well. Um, but otherwise, Sean Dyche, well done you. Good three points um, on the board, which will help Burnley get off um, to the Christmas period in a good way. Uh, George, what did you think of this match? Uh, you knew it was coming. Didn't we? we all knew it was coming. I, th- I think most people, well, and we spoke about this, and I said, I would not like to play Burnley um, when you're struggling the way you are, because you, you could have just, you could have seen that that was going to be a 1-0 Burnley. You, you could just see it happening. Uh but again, Mikel Arteta having to come out and, and sort of slate some of his players again. Xhaka's um, obviously the, the one that you're going to pick out. He's got more red cards than any other player um, since he's joined Arsenal. I think other than Fernandinho, um, other than that, like 
since 2006 he's 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 got a collection of red cards so and this is this is their worst start to a top flight since the 50s as well so um shocking absolutely shocking is this a two minute job or is this a deep dive no this is a deep dive i mean there's loads of things so we can talk about the fact that matthew guenduzzi who arteta did not rate at all and loaned out scored an absolute cracker and decided to do a little bit of a a shrug of his shoulder celebration as much to say you sure um so that was quite funny (laughs) (laughs) i I haven't seen that to be fair who's he who's he been loaned out to oh it's it's i want to say hertha berlin of of the Bundesliga, but I could be wrong. Right. It's one of it's one of those types of teams. Um, here's a question for you, George: Would you bring Özil back? Yes, absolutely. They're they're <laughs> missing creative creativity. Arsenal. Uh, they need someone to put the ball in the box properly because what they're doing is Arsenal are just whipping the ball in the box at every single opportunity, trying to and and hoping that um, Aubameyang can get on the end of it. They're missing they're missing a bit of quality. Arsenal. They really are. Um, and I said this a, f- a few weeks ago. Aubameyang's gone from goal machine to washing machine, and and he's just no. He, what's going on with them? Like it's ridiculous. Um, I fear for them. Their fixtures are horrendous. They're coming oh. up to Christmas. I, well, we we spoke about this off air, didn't we? And we said that uh, they are one hundred percent going to be in the bottom half of the league come the new year. One hundred percent. I can't see them uh, winning enough points out of their next four games. Um, to, to get to get into the top half. They've got Southampton next. Um, I know they're at home against Southampton tomorrow night, but that's going to be a game that a lot of people are going to have eyeballs on. Arsenal have to win that game. These are must-win. All these games now, they're must-win games. They're all must-win games for Arsenal because if they, if, they, um, if they don't win any of these games, then he's a goner. He's yeah. got to be. He's got to be a goner. People are calling for his head now. Well, they were calling for his head about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, shocking start to the season. A port, like, I, I just don't see Arsenal doing anything this season. I really don't. I actually see them finishing bottom half of the table because I can't believe West Ham lost this lot. <laughs> I can't believe it. We've lost, I think we've only lost three games this season Newcastle, uh, Arsenal, and um, Man United. Really, only three games we've lost this season. So, mm. I mean, one thing that, that, that gets me about Arsenal, sorry, Burnley fans, I know we're not talking too much about Burnley, but then again, you won 1-0, you, you, it's what Burnley does. Take the win. Tarkovsky was very, very good. That There you go. There, there's, there's your moment in the sun. But back to Arsenal, I look at their bench um, because I think therein lies a problem as well because they have Danny Cabellos, who is on loan from Real Madrid. If I was him, yeah. I wouldn't want to stick around. Um, he'll, be so he'll be going straight back. Uh, Runnison, the goalkeeper they bought um, to, to back up Leno. Okay, fine. You need a goalkeeper on your bench. Maitland-Niles, who did okay last season, yeah. but isn't pulling up trees. Mustafi, lol. Just, you still have Mustafi. He, he Biggest waste of £35 million on a defender I've ever seen in my life. Joe Wilcott, probably a shining light for the future. Probably should start more, in my opinion. Better than yeah. Jacker, anyway. Um, Nikita, or Nikita, is that how you say his name? He was on loan Nketiah. at Leeds. Yeah, Nketiah. Nketiah. Hey, if Aubameyang's not firing, bench him. Put Nketiah on. Um, oh, I still can't pronounce his Nketiah, name. he scored the winning goal against West Ham, mate. I'm telling you. This the, the team is no good. They, they they need they need some serious investment. When you've got players like Rob Holding starting in centre back, who's playing at Bolton two years ago, 
Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it speaks volumes. It really does. And they've got their benches. You're right. Their bench is weak. Their bench mm. is weak. Their team is weak. They are, they are not, they are not um, European challengers. Somehow they've managed to get through and done really well in, in Europa League, but they're not European challenging team. No. Um, I think they're going up against Benfica in the next round yeah. of Europa League, where Jan yeah. Vertonghen is now playing. So that'd be quite funny if he knocks them out from Spurs. I, I think they, I think they will beat Benfica. Benfica Rangers beat Benfica, so oh, fair awesome enough. <laughs> but it's kind of like this problem we mentioned last time about Sheffield United not having a name. You take yeah. Aubameyang out of that side. Wow. They, yeah. Who have they You're got? Right. I mean, they've got they've got William, but he's now past his best. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 after watching the game at the weekend and watching other, a couple other games, William been playing, he's definitely past his best. I thought he was a fantastic signing on a free, but he is past his best. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of that, lack of threat. I've always said that he he scuffs at everything. Um, Saka, I personally think it's too early for Saka. I think he's overrated mm-hmm. um, for for what he for what he contributes. Um, he does miss a lot of opportunities as well um and then i've already spoke about rob holding and then you've got gabrielle and tierney as well tierney's decent i thought he was going to do a bit better than what he has um but it, well, tierney came from what celtic didn't he yeah and that just yeah and he was like number one defender in the whole league i look at him it speaks volumes of the set of the, of the scottish leagues to be fair um do you know what else i want to pick up pick out on as well um, which is not arsenal related this is more uh bernie related um chris wood right is he the long lost brother of, of Harry Kane? Because they look like twins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I thought he looked more like Mark Albrighton of Leicester, to be honest. Honestly, last time I <laughs> he, he, I just look at him and I think, Jesus Christ, he's got to be the long lost brother or cousin or something of Harry Kane because they are, they are spitting. They, do, <laughs> they look just the same, I think, when, with, with, when he's got the facial hair and it's the nose as well. Anyway. I mean, did you see the funny picture of when Wood was standing next to Holding and, and did, yeah. in the back of the picture Holding, holding Wood? wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see that. That was quite funny. It'd be funny if Pope stood next to him as well. <laughs> <laughs> holding Pope Wood. <laughs> Pope Holding Wood, whatever. Uh, right, yeah, let's move on. Um, Arsenal fans gutted. You are down all the way in 15th. And even your own fans are saying you're potentially in a relegation fight. Well, we'll see. Uh, let's move on and put them out of their misery. Let us go to a... Oh, I don't want to do a two-minute blitz on that one. Let's do a two-minute blitz on Newcastle versus West Brom. And I'll hand straight over to you, George, as I tend to do. The final score was Newcastle 2, West Brom 1. Goals came from Almiron in the first minute, Furlong in the 50th minute for West Brom, and then Dwight Gale returning to West Brom, I believe, um, to score in the 82nd minute. Give all three points to Steve Bruce's side. George, go for it. Didn't take long to get started, did it, this game? 20 seconds, and we're on, back of the net. Good start, good game for, for Newcastle. Again, I feel, I feel for West Brom because they keep on throwing these games away. These get winnable games um, that, that they, they're coming up against. But, you know, it was all right. They had, they, they had a good spell, West Brom. Um, I, I think, after seeing the, the games that I've seen, um, I, I do, I'm pretty sure West Brom are going to be relegated. Um, now, especially after Fulham have picked up a little bit, um, so I do think West Brom are going to be probably they're going to be 18th or 19th if they survive. They're going to finish 17th if they survive. Um, Dwight Gale, is it just me, right? He he's ripped. Like he's he's not got like no fat on him at all. 
Did you see? Did you see? He's like his interview afterwards. He's oh. just got no fat on him at all. It's ridiculous. Oh. I'm I'm sorry if you're listening, Dwight, but I don't look at you that way. I just look at your face, and I think you're a little bit ugly. Um, that's, that's probably. Um, sorry, well, the other thing, the other thing as well, uh, Gail's uh, goal as well, good-headed goal. But I was surprised that he was able to get on it the way he did because mm. he's not exactly a, the tallest player in the world. Um, and West Brom have got have got some. They've got some decent, decent tall players at the back. I mean, they've still got Ivanovic. Ivanovic started as well. And you forget that players like Ivanovic are at, are at West Brom. Um, but again, the, I, I think West Brom are, are really missing a proper out-and-out goal scorer. I think uh, Grant, who they got from, from Huddersfield, is, isn't the answer for them. They need someone a bit more probably like Callum Wilson, um, who was really good as well. So... Troubling times for West Brom. I think they're going down. Uh, Newcastle again. They're, they're level on points. West Ham, Newcastle. They're doing decent. Yeah, good signings. They made some good signings, didn't they? So, um, not that they've actually played many of them. And that's your two-minute blitz up. Uh, yes, but um, yeah, fair play. Um, you're absolutely right. Newcastle have silently um, been climbing the table and and, and uh, on level points with West Ham. The the main points, uh, the main point I had for this match, it was around Ivanovic, similar to the Willian issue at, at, at Arsenal. Really, he he's he's lost his legs, he's lost his impact, and I think more than William because William because he's surrounded by no offense, West Brom lower caliber players. He's really being yeah. found out and. Uh, and all that, but hey, I, I hope Billage keeps his job, and I hope he turns it around. But I agree with you. I think them and Sheffield United are the Stonewall relegation uh, clubs this season. Yeah, definitely going down. So anyway, okay. Anyway, right. Uh, we broke the rules. We went into it again. Right. So um, a <laughs> deep dive into the next match, which I've chosen, which is Wolves versus Aston Villa, and I've done this for a particular reason because. Is a derby, of course, Birmingham derby, Aston Villa versus Wolves. Um, it had two red cards in this game, um, so it was feisty, as a derby should be. Um, and there's another thing I want to talk about, which I'm sure George will get a bit infuriated at. Uh, so the final score was actually nil one or one nil to Aston Villa. And the people that were sent off, you had Douglas Louise in the 85th minute and Jao Moutinho in the 95th minute. There was a total of around about 13 um, cards given in this match, was it? No, seven cards given in this match. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I'm right. Is this this match? Yes, this is this match. My apologies. Um, I've lost it completely. Seven seven cards in this match. Um, obviously, Douglas Louise getting sent off on the 85th minute. Jao Moutinho in the 95th, both for second bookable offences. I think on both players' side, one of their fouls, I wouldn't have given a yellow card for. So theoretically, they should have probably both stayed on the pitch. Um, but Anwar El Ghazi scored a penalty in the 94th minute to send Aston Villa um, three points higher. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this one was because of the diving that was on display in this match. Rendered as usual. Absolutely awful. I can only imagine that in January, Aston Villa are going to look to sign Tom Daly um, to make sure they complete a trifecta of three really good divers because he just jumped up, Jack Grealish, at some point. And, and who was the other lad who did it? What was his name? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Ramsey, I want to say, maybe. Um but they just jumped in the air, got out of a tackle, but went on the floor and cried like they got hit by your sniper, George. Yeah. I don't... 
I was angry, and I usually let these things kind of slip by and say, "Oh, it is football." But no, this one actually made me furious. What do you yeah. think? It's, it's, it's the same thing every single time from Villa, though, isn't it? I don't know why they keep keep on doing it. I mean, it was um, it was a bit of a manic game, though. To be fair, especially in the last ten minutes, the amount of bookings that got that got dished out last fifteen minutes, ten fifteen minutes. Um, but you, you know what? Like they've got they've got to start punishing um, players for this for this play acting, and I and I say this all the time. And in fact, I didn't think it was a penalty as well, mm. because although he did touch the player, it was not it wasn't a foul. It wasn't enough to send him down. The player threw himself to the floor, and that's what really winds me up with this with the penalties at the moment because they go well it's well, they go well it's a foul because they made contact. It's a contact sport. Well, you, what you're not allowed to touch the other player now. I don't, I don't, I don't see how the um, the fouls have become. The players are just, they're just fairies, aren't they? They trip over a feather. They feel the slightest little brush. They're going to go down, um, and they're and they're playing to, they're, they're playing to the rules, or they're trying to take advantage of the rules, aren't they? And that's basically what they're doing. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it annoys me. It, when I saw the when I saw, I didn't actually watch the game, but when I saw the the scoreline one 0 and it was a last minute penalty. I thought, I thought to myself, you just, I just knew that, that the kind of penalty that it was going to be. And you just knew that Aston Villa would be throwing themselves all over the place. Um, I mean, it's come, it's no, no surprise today that, that Jack Grealish has been banned as well for, for nine, was it nine months for uh, driving? Dangerous diving. <laughs> Dangerous diving. Very clever. Very, very clever. I mean, a couple of other uh, highlights of this match for me. Um, Silva starting up front for Wolves um, in the absence of Raul Jimenez. Silva, he came for 35 million. He was ridiculously young. I think he hit the post in this match as well. So he really did come close and he does look like he could be a pretty good player once he gets a bit more experience under his belt. I think Dendonka also had a very good shot in this match as well. So Wolves, you know, they gave a good go of it. By all means, the 1-0 doesn't mean that Aston Villa dominated. It was a very, very um, evenly contested match, I felt. Wolves, for Wolves, they brought in this this right back from um, Barcelona, Semedo, um, to replace yeah, Doherty, who, yeah. who went to Tottenham. And there must be question marks over him now. He's come from Barcelona. He's come from uh, the Spanish giants, as it were. A lot of money. And he's not adapted he's, quite well yeah, to the Premier not, League. He's not. His ratings are pretty low as well. He got rated 5 out of 10 for this game, which when when you're a right back, you should be... First of all, you should be busting a gut to to get up and down that wing and supporting Traore, who uh, who's in front of him. Um, but he doesn't do that very often as well. Like he's not, he's just not doing his jobs. Um, that's that's you know that's what you want from a right back. A right back is there to not only defend and support your def- other other centre defenders when players are coming in from the wing, but you're also there to support your attacker, your attacking right wingers. And he doesn't do that effectively. Um, and I'm pretty sure that um, the Wolves manager is going to be—he's going to be on that. He's definitely going to be on that with them because they haven't got it. the Wolves are on a bit of slump at the moment. I think they lost three of the last four games, Wolves, um, and I think they drew the other one as well. So, um, yeah, Wolves yeah. are one of those sides that I didn't want Tottenham to come across um, in a in a difficult run. You know, when you're playing yeah. the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man United, usually you sprinkle a bit of Wolves in between, and, and yeah. that's just not good. Now, if on their current form, yes, sure, throw them in yeah. while while they're yeah. while they're on a downer, right? You look at them as a as a winnable game. Um, 
Wolves at the moment. Even like we we proper turned Wolves over when we played them, and they've got Chelsea next as well. And after Chelsea's weekend, um, you know the, the Wolves are going to be up for it. They're going to be up for their next game. Chelsea are going to be up for their next game. So um, I believe Wolves Chelsea's tonight. Actually. It is. So, it is. Yeah. Um, now it's going to be a cracker. It is. I cannot wait. But there you go. Final score was Aston Villa 1, Wolves 0. Main story is all the diving that happened. But ultimately, three points do go to Aston Villa. Right. Um, a two-minute uh, quick dive. Um, <laughs> Your turn. Yeah, it, it is my turn. And I'm going to do Southampton versus Sheffield United. And the reason why I'm only going to do two minutes starting now is because Sheffield United fans, I am so sorry I don't want to talk about this any longer than I absolutely have to because you lost again final score was Southampton three Sheffield United nil Shea Adams I believe a former blade scored on the 34th minute Stuart Armstrong again in the 62nd and even Nathan Redmond came on and got one in the 83rd minute Sheffield United throughout this entire game had no shots on target and only three shots in the general direction of the bloody goal 31% possession and barely above 50% pass accuracy as well you are 18 in trouble because we are now 12 games into the season and you have but one single point no wins only one draw and I believe that draw um who was that with George was that West Brom Mm, no West Brom beat him oh well I'll have a look later but the point is unfortunately Sheffield United you are still bottom and you're not going anywhere anytime soon I don't think from a Southampton point of view, though, good God, what another amazing game of football you played. And I want to particularly single out Vestergaard, because Vestergaard in this match, I heard him when I was watching it, shouting, demanding more of his players, leading like a centre-back, in my opinion, uh, should be doing. Um, and that's great for Southampton right now, but in the summer, I think uh, there will be teams sniffing around for someone like Vestergaard, someone who can really do um, that business. Considering how tall he is as well, I see him as a, from a Spurs point of view, and I'd take him as a, as a replacement for Jan Vertonghen, uh, who we haven't properly pl- replaced, in my opinion. But, yeah. but there we are. Guys, that's my, that's my two minutes up. That was really cool. Ah, quick. <laughs> That was quick. Um, there you go. George, any final thoughts on that one? Um, not really. The, the the draw Sheffield United got was against Fulham. Um, Vestergaard was definitely man of the match. Um, abysmal from Sheffield United. Abysmal. Cool. Abysmal. Nice summary. Right, George, I'll throw over to you for Leeds United versus West Ham, which was the first game to kick off our Premier League weekend on Friday night. Final score was Leeds United 1. West Ham 2. Over to you, George. I'll tell you what. Start of this game. I was. It was one of those games where I, I, uh, you think to yourself, oh, we're going to do all right here. This will be, this will be a fairly decent game. It's going to be close. And you expect, you're expecting a, a good game from Leeds. No matter who they play, you're expecting Leeds to give a good game. They do a lot, a lot of running. Um, and they're a very fit team. And Bielsa demands a lot from them. And that showed pretty early on because... Um, they they got clean through um, straight away, and Fabianski took a, took out Bamford, and they got a penalty. Um, got a point out that Haller 
absolutely abysmal in this game. The he whole stunk. Game. I smelt he, him through my TV. He was awful, awful. He, thing is, he got into into he got himself into a lot of very good positions, right? And he had like four, five, six chances on goal. Good chances as well. The only issue is his first touch is absolutely shocking. Every single time he got the ball, he lost it. Every single time. Um, and it, it was definitely his worst game in a West Ham shirt from Haller. Um, but back to the penalty. Um, took the uh, clitch or click, whatever you want to call him, took the penalty uh, and missed it. Fabian, it was soft. Fabianski saved it. Easy save for Fabianski. If the goalkeeper goes the right way, saving it. Um, lo and behold, VAR step in and Fabianski is a blade of grass off of his line. And you know what? This is what this is what really annoyed me about it is that when you're offside, right? It doesn't matter. You, it, it's whatever part of the body is offside. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Fabianski's back was over the line of the of the goal line, right? So if you're going to go on the rules from like the offside of what if any part of his body that can score a goal is offside, then he's offside. If I think it should be if any part of the goalkeeper's body is in line is on the line then he's on the line mm. right and and th- that's why i got so annoyed by the by that uh, decision he took it again and he scored it of course he scored it but um oh, it's the uh, the goalkeepers are already at a massive disadvantage when it comes to penalties so um i don't understand why they make why they do it so like strenuously it's the rules and this is this is the thing they they just take advantage of the rules and what they are is the rules is the rules, but I do think that's a rule that needs changing and it should be changed as in like what, what I just mentioned as if like it's similar to the offside rule. Um, the other alternative is, and I, I saw this Peter Cech was saying that why don't, why doesn't, why doesn't the, um, why doesn't the referee just come out and draw with his foam uh, a line, which is two foot off of his line and he's got to stay within that side, within that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would work. So I don't see why they don't do that. Um, I think it just happens few and far between. This is the first time I've actually seen this in a football match. If I'm completely honest, oh, I've, with seen, you. I've seen it a few times. But the thing is, because most of the time the goalkeeper doesn't save it, right? And it's you know when they or a lot of the time they either miss um, or you know the the goalkeeper does save it. But a lot of the time the goalkeeper's on his line. It's just at that time he was a smidge off of his line. Um, I don't really see the advantage he got from being that far off his line. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, um... but then you add Suchek who scored in the 25th minute. Uh, he's still doing really, really well, and a player that you could probably say, "Yep, he'd probably get into most teams in the Premier League." Um, really, really impressed with him. Uh, and Angelo Ogbonna, obviously scoring the winning goal on 80th minute. He seemed very happy with it. Ogbonna's one of those players I sort of nothing at West Ham. I, I, I yeah. He just he just seems to be there every week. Um, you know what? It's it's uh, Ogbonna's West Ham fans love Ogbonna, right? And I like Ogbonna. I love Suchek. Great, fantastic oh, yeah. player. Um, he's sort of the type when you saying about Vestergaard and people be sniffing around him. I definitely think there'll be clubs sniff, sniffing around Suchek next year. Mm. Defends well and he's good at attacking. He's like six foot four, um, and he always scores from his head. So um, there's a there's a really good opportunity for West Ham to carry on building on this squad that we've got because we've got some good young players in that team at the moment. Um, obviously, Such- Suchek's 26, so he's not, you know, he's, we've got a good few years out of him still. Um, Ogbonna, he's in his 30s, does the job. Like, there are times Ogbonna's really good, right? 
and he does he he occasionally he does pop up and score a good goal like that. Um, got to give credit to Cresswell though. And remember when we 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 started this podcast at the beginning of the season, I said, "Oh, Cresswell." If there was one player I would sell, remember when you said sell yeah. whatever, and I, the one player I would have sold would would have sold. I said, I think I said Haller because he doesn't fit the team, but Cresswell uh, was was one was one of the players that I I loathed. Um, and now. Now he just walks into the start eleven, mate. He's quality, Creswell. He's been so good this season. Completely turned turned around his, the thoughts of, of the fans. Um, and you know the form that we in we're in. No team's going to want to play us at the moment. Absolutely no team. We're not. We, thing is, we're not walking over teams. And this is the thing: we're not walking over teams, winning three, four, five nil. We're letting the other teams have the ball, um, which and then we're we're doing them on the counter, but we're also doing the set pieces. Um, but we are very wasteful with our chances as well, so that's probably why we're not not turning them over like, like it looks like. Um, yeah. I think we've hit the, hit the woodwork more than any other team. Um, scored more set pieces than any other team this 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 season so far. So the stats are in our favour. Um, and then we've got Crystal Palace tomorrow night, and I'm feeling I'm feeling good about that game. I'm not going to lie. Okay, okay. We'll get to Crystal Palaces versus Tottenham in a second. But one thing I want to point out, George, I haven't got any stats specifically for this podcast, but maybe I'll get them before our next one. But don't you think it's a coincidence that since we started to have a crack pod, both our teams seem to be doing unusually well? It's as if it's as if Jose and David Moyes might even be listening and, and taking on board our comments and our constructive Would you believe feedback. it? You know what? Since, uh, since the second game, if you, if you take out of account the first and second game, um, of, of the season, um, West Ham and Tottenham would be both be in top three of the league. Yep, there you go. And that's roughly when we started. <laughs> so there you go. so oh. it makes it make sense. How oh, lovely. Uh, quick word for Leeds, by the way. Uh, Leeds, I mean, you're playing some really nice, attractive football. Everyone wants to watch your games. I, I know that um, my missus, who's really getting into football now, which is amazing, um, she um, is really enthused whenever I tell her, oh, Leeds are playing tonight because she wants to see them. Um, and that, that is testament to the good level of football they're playing. But unfortunately, Leeds are just not getting the results. So um, I think it's time to start knuckling down and, and drag out some of the results rather than go all guns blazing. Cause eventually it may catch up with you in I'm this league. I'm surprised you haven't got to wear an Spurs shirt, mate. I'm honest. Uh, Christmas is coming. Nah, <laughs> I haven't bought a Spurs shirt. I'm not paying 75 quid for a shirt. Um, oh, I, can get, I can get you one somewhere. We'll talk after the podcast. No, oh, lovely. Hit up uh, Campy WHU on Twitter for cheap knockoff football shirts. They're not knockoffs. <laughs> They're not knockoffs. <laughs> They're genuine. For those of you who don't know George very well, he is the epitome of Del Boy from <laughs> Only Fools and Horses. But sometimes he does come up with these odd gems. So who knows? Um, right. Um, next quick two-minute blitz. Um, I'll take this one again, George, because I quite like this one. It's Manchester United versus Manchester City. Good God, Luke, why on earth are you only dedicating two minutes to the Manchester derby, to two of the giants of the Premier League? Well, I'll tell you, listener, it was absolutely pants. It was nil, 
nil and for 90 minutes i genuinely found myself questioning my existence that is how bored i was i actually sent my dad that um that snippet from the simpsons and i think i sent it to you george as well yeah uh, that said i've seen plays that were more exciting than this honest yeah. to god plays if anything this disrespects plays i would much rather <laughs> go and see play after play after play than have to watch this match again so, guys, it's not as if you didn't field some good teams, I suppose, for Manchester City, the likes of Sterling and De Bruyne, Mares, um, and Diaz, uh, Walker. You were all playing from Manchester United's point of view. Uh, Paul Pogba got a start. Fernandez was in there. And, you know, you, you fielded good teams. There was just no crowd and no real reason to to fight for it really both these clubs coming off of very interesting weeks in europe manchester city managing to progress through the champions league and manchester united not joining us in the europa league and i believe they've joined they've been uh drawn against real sociedad dad top of the league la liga at the moment yeah sorry quick diversion if you look at the people at the top of the league across all of europe right now you'll see tottenham Bayer Leverkusen, um, who's who's in French? I think it's like Nice or something in France. Lille, Lille, sorry. Um, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, Nice, uh, Lille, sorry. Um, Real Sociedad. Uh, you know, it's good. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Anyway, back to Manchester United and Manchester City. Um, nil nil, absolutely boring. A couple of chances for the likes of Rashford. Uh, that, that, that went amiss. Manchester United probably could have stole it 1-0 in certain scenarios. Um, one thing that did draw my attention in my last 30 seconds is Roy Keane after this match. He was absolutely furious because Harry Maguire and John Stones gave each other a lovely little cuddle after the match and that seemed to boil his blood because Manchester United players should not like Manchester City players and save that stuff for the dressing room. It's almost as if he was a little bit homophobic. Who knows? Um, but there we are. Uh, Pogba obviously dominated this match uh, from a news perspective because Mauro Ronaldo, his manager, if that's how you say his name, has come out, basically said, he don't want to play for Manchester United anymore. And I don't blame him. Oh, there you go. There's two minutes. George, anything to add? It's uh, Rayola, the, the geezer. Yeah, uh, Rolo, managed. Riolo, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah ball draw. Complete and utter ball draw. Like that. You know, Manchester is not blue. Manchester is not grey. Manchester, no, Manchester is not blue. Manchester is not red, but it is certainly grey because it's boring as hell. Yep, there we go. Okay, right. Um, Our next game is a deep dive into Liverpool versus Fulham or Fulham versus Liverpool. Now I have dedicated a deep dive to this one because of the impact it's had around the Premier League, but also well done Scotty Parker, well done Fulham, because not only did you manage to get away with a point against last year's champions, you also gave yourself some really good chances in this match to win it. I mean, even if you look at the stats, um, you had only two shots less than Liverpool, only one shot less than them on target. Um, possession, you got absolutely destroyed in. But as Spurs have proven this season, you don't need all the possession to walk away with all the points. And, you know, you gave yourself um, the best possible chances in this game. Uh, the scorers were Bobby Reed for Fulham in the 25th minute. So Fulham actually led for this match for quite a long time. And Liverpool only actually got back in it on the 79th minute through a penalty through Salah. 
Now, as you can imagine, Jurgen Klopp after this match was absolutely Jurgen Kloppish, saying that their goal shouldn't have stood because someone was fouled in the in the build up to it, um, and the penalty was definitely a penalty. Whatever. Um, uh, Liverpool were buoyed in this match by the return, uh, full return of Trent Alexander-Arnold. And obviously, Allison has now come back in goal just in time to play Spurs, Sod's Law, replacing that young Kelleher who'd been doing really, really well. Uh, and uh, Jones uh, kept his place in midfield um, after um, some really impressive uh, outings in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, George, anything you want to add? Um, yes. Um was on a penalty, Liverpool. Questionable, massively questionable penalty. Um, Fulham should have got a penalty, which was a clear penalty. Completely took the player out, didn't get the ball. VAR didn't give it. Like, what? Honestly, Liverpool are the luckiest team in the league. They are so lucky with the decisions that they get. And the thing is, it's not so much decisions that they get for VAR, which, which gives them a goal, it's the decisions that go against the other teams as well that, get that, that allow them to take points. They should have lost this game, Liverpool. I was literally, you know what I was going to do? I was going to send you a voice note on uh, WhatsApp. I was going, this is Fulham's, Fulham's <laughs> night. But I couldn't do that because they got, <laughs> they got, they got robbed by, uh, by Salah and his penalty. And now um, robbed as well of that amazing rendition but i got yeah. it on the podcast so there is a silver lining everywhere I suppose. exactly yeah but you know what it's, it's 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 very frustrating to um to to watch games like that and and see the teams that are struggling play really really well that should win the game and they don't it's really annoying especially when it's against teams like liverpool and it's always teams like liverpool that that manage to get away with it as well um it's worth also mentioning in this match that um, so the centre-backs for Liverpool were Matip and Fabinho. Fabinho, obviously, not really a recognised uh, centre-back. He's more of a midfielder, uh, but he does slot in there from time to time. Matip actually did come off, um, we think, because he's injured, I believe. And he was replaced at centre-back by Jordan Henderson in midfield. So rather that Klopp deciding to put Henderson at centre-back with Fabinho at centre-back rather than bring on one of the kids on his bench that was a recognised defender. Um, wouldn't send a good message to me if I was a young player. Yeah, on the but look, look, the thing is, right, I'm going to... Liverpool keep on going, oh, they've got so many injuries, they've got so many injuries. All right, look, they've got a couple of injuries, right? The biggest one is obviously Van Dijk. And they're, they're, they've got Thiago out. Um, but the others, Matip, I think Matip's going to be all right for, for tomorrow. I'm not sure. Um, but other than that, you look at their team, and Jose Mourinho touched upon this uh, in his press conference today. Mm-hmm. Salah's not injured. Mane's not injured. You've got Firmino's not injured. You've got Henderson, uh, Wijnaldum, whatever his name is, Robertson, Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho's still playing, Alisson's back-back as well. That's pretty much the team that won in the league. So, Oxlade-Chamberlain's back as yeah. well. Um the, the the thing that they're they're going to struggle with Liverpool is obviously their their bench is is now a little bit weak um, because they've 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 got the younger players on the bench they've got Minamino on the on the bench that that can still come on and do a job Irigi, so Origi as well Origi, he Ox, didn't he Oxley Chamberlain so they've still got a few options they've just not got the, as many as what they had before that being said um, obviously they they're expecting to they expect to be able to turn teams over like like turn teams like Fulham over um, and they didn't. Fulham gave a really good account of themselves as you said so um, 
and I think Scott Parker is listening to this podcast because I remember um, we did say that why aren't you starting Loftus Cheek? He looks really, really and good. He, Lo and behold, yeah. he started Loftus Cheek in this match, and they were very, very good. So, yeah, listen to the Have a Crack podcast, everybody. <clears throat> Right, um, so yeah, final score was Fulham 1, Liverpool 1. Liverpool missing the chance to go top of the table by two points because that leads us over to the next fixture we do want to talk about. And I only actually um, want to talk about it in a two-minute blitz because that's all I can really muster. Um, it was Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. Oh, come on, two-minute blitz. I wonder why there are two-minute blitz on this one. Because the final score was Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham 1. Spurs failing to beat Crystal Palace, which they should have done. They should have done like they should have beaten West Ham, like they should have beaten Newcastle, and we should be four points clear at the top of the league. If my maths is right, it could be wrong. But at least four points more at top of the league, especially with the likes of Chelsea, as we'll get to a bit later on, Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United, United, Man City, everybody screwing up this weekend. But it is what it is. The final score, like I say, was 1-1. Harry Kane putting us ahead on 23 minutes, scoring, well, a nice little goal, catching Guaita um, out and in the wrong foot. But Guaita made up for it with his performance for the rest of the bloody game because he somehow grew an extra eight arms and managed to save every possible attempt that Spurs had. Crystal Palace credit to them on the 81st minute. Jeffrey Schlupp scored after Hugo Lloris, our captain, the French number one, the former World Cup winner or the current World Cup winner, whatever you want to call him, dropped the ball right in front of Schlupp and Schlupp just put it in the back of the net. Typical Spursy, as George pointed out to me when it happened, which didn't exactly <laughs> calm me down at the time. But what are you going to do? Crystal Palace, arguably, um, both sides, but more so Crystal Palace, I suppose, for longer periods of the game, should have won this match. Um, Eze was very, very good. Zaha, influential performance, as always, for Palace. Even Benteke had some bloody good chances against us in this match. Spurs only seemed to wake up when we were 2-0, uh, sorry, when we were um, uh, trying to chase the game with the likes of Harry Kane having a good shot saved by Guaita and Eric Dyer having a very very beautiful free kick, also saved by Guaita somehow. That is my two minutes. Spurs are still top of the Premier League, though, because everyone else sucked just as much this weekend. George, is there anything you want to add? Um, not, not really, no. It was a very good feeling to see that you actually drew this game. And you know what? Um, we spoke about this before, didn't we? Um, that um, you would do this. You would, you would do really well against the harder, the harder teams. And when you looked at the fixtures that, that you had, that run of fixtures. Remember when I said a few weeks ago, I said, your next seven games are ridiculous. We'll talk about it afterwards when you finish the next seven games. And all the Spurs fans, they just seem to have known that you were going you to do well against Man City, you'd do well against Arsenal, uh, and then you'd somehow slip up against someone like Palace. Um, but that, you know what, uh, Spurs were lucky as well. Like the ha- Kane's goal was like pretty much in the centre of the goal. Guaita should have got that. Like it was, it was an easy save, really. Um, so, um, and actually, I, I feel for Loris. He didn't really like. He was, he was crowded around when Palace scored their goal as well. He had a lot of the players all crowded, crowded, crowded around him. Um, I'm, I'm going to watch the highlights back because I don't think we might have a night. But anyway, yeah, well, um, um, the only other thing in this match, Deli Ali did come on as a substitute in the second half, suggesting that he's either in the shop window for January or. He may be starting to win back a bit of favour. We will see. Well, 
the other thing as well, I don't want to digress too much, but Benteke's out of contract at the end of the season. Um, and he seems to be picking up his bit of form again, as, as you've mentioned. So um, maybe he's looking to try and get another club or maybe he's got trying to get a new contract. Um, I, I would be surprised if they don't give him a new contract because he's, he's decent, Benteke, at times. Okay, there are two minutes are definitely over and I promised myself I wouldn't go any further. So um, next deep dive comes in the form of Everton versus Chelsea because the final score in this match was Everton 1, Chelsea nil. Chelsea actually failed to score for what feels like the first time in ages. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson scoring from the penalty spot on the 22nd minute for Everton must have felt a little bit sweet for Carlo Ancelotti, of course, former Chelsea manager. There was almost a case where Everton had a second penalty in this game, but VAR ruled Dominic Calvert-Lewin offside. I don't quite know why Sigurdsson took the penalty. I would have thought Dominic Calvert-Lewin would have done it, seeing he's on such an impressive goal-scoring tally. He is their penalty taker, Sigurdsson. Uh, fair enough. I do miss him at Spurs. Old Siggy. Um, he was always good for a free kick here and there. Um, from an Everton point of view, terrific result. There were times in this match that you thought Chelsea probably could get back in it. Um, Mina and Pickford seemed to collide at one point in this match really, really nastily, and Pickford was down for a bit uh, before he got back up and carried on. Um, there was no, on the Chelsea side, Giroud kept his place, rightfully so, correct decision. It won't help the fact that they lost this game, but he definitely should still be starting for Chelsea, I feel. If I was a Chelsea fan, um, I would want him up there rather than Tammy Abraham at the moment. Um, and the likes of Kovacic actually came in for, oh, what's that lad's name? Oh, I can't think of it. The guy they signed from Ajax, Hakim Ziyech, that's it. Uh, because oh, he's now yeah, yeah, yeah. injured again for, what, the third time in his first season or second time in his first season, which mm-hmm. won't fill Chelsea fans with, with utter joy. Another thing that won't fill Chelsea fans with utter joy was the fact that they had the likes of Havertz, Giroud, Werner, Mount, Kante, all on the pitch, and they still failed to score in this match. Uh, I want to single out James as well in this match because he's been doing some cracking performances lately to the point where the people at um, Sky Sports rate him in the World Eleven as the best right back. But, I mean, I tried to think of a better one. Uh, George, can you think of one? Uh, uh, you know what? Well, I, I, I do think there are better right backs than James. That's a bit of English bias, I think that is. Maybe. Um, but in this match, just to clarify, the penalty that Sigerson got um, was actually given away by Mendy, of all people. <laughs> he um, bulldozed him down, to be fair. He just completely took him out and, and said, there you go, have a penalty, mate. Um, but yeah, obviously, final score in this match was 1-0 to Everton. George, anything from you? Yeah, and I've, I've said this a few times, is that if you give Chelsea the ball all the time, they'll do something with it and you'll expect to concede a few goals. Now, Everton did give Chelsea a lot of the ball. However, they did staff them of... Um, not staff them, but they didn't allow them to, to have clear chances. Um, too many clear chances. They had a total of 10 shots, but only three of them was on target. So, um, and they, they were throwing... Everton did throw themselves in front of the ball quite a lot. So... Um, it's good. It's good to see Chelsea lose. I think it was. I think it's a good time to bring them back down to earth, um, mm-hmm. and it, it, it keeps the uh, the title race open as well. So, Absolutely. which I think is going to be a lot, a lot closer this year. 
oh yes uh, we'll get to that um in just a second when i go through the table but and the only other thing i wanted to mention sorry was billy gilmore 17 year old i think he is for chelsea absolutely starred for them in in the champions league and yeah. uh, came on in this match he is going to be very very good for them i think i saw a picture that said in his first premier league match he was man of the match in his first champions league match he was man of the match and three or four other examples where he was man of the match in his first of something. So he will be very, very good, especially when he starts to mature and gets a bit more experience under him. Yeah. Right. So we move on to the final game of the season. It's a two minute roundup and I'm going to give it to you, George. It's Leicester city three Brighton nil James Madison scoring on the 27th minute and the 44th minute with a beautiful little kick into the corner that curled a little bit and Jamie Vardy of course him again scored on the 41st minute as well to wrap up all three points for Brighton fun fact that the commentator said when I was watching these highlights Brighton have never beaten Leicester in the Premier League so hopefully next time they meet Brighton can can finally put that one to bed but George what have you got well, you know what? Let's do this one. Uh, Jamie Vardy, absolutely unreal. 33 years old. Only Harry Kane scored more goals than Jamie Vardy in the Premier League. Um, so, you know what? It, the, the guy's on fire. He really is. He's, he's a quality, quality striker. Someone like a lot of the team, I think he'd get into any team um, in the league, I think, Jamie Vardy. Um, and, and the other one, obviously, is, is Madison you want to pick out because this is a very good result for Leicester and Brighton aren't Brighton aren't a breezy pushover. Um, they always give a good account of themselves. You would expect Leicester to win this game, but um, uh, Madison, Madison's second goal especially was a cracker. The way he took it onto his left foot and just put it in the top bins. Um, really good. Madison, um, when, he came, when, he, when he was at Norwich, wasn't he? Yeah, he when was. He yeah. Came, when, he, when he came from Norwich, I think people had a lot of expectation from him um, with taking that step up. And I think you've seen it in a lot of other teams that are buying from the championship, buying the good players from the championship. West Ham are doing it and they're all coming up trumps. Um, these young players from the championship that are hungry, looking for something. And I know Madison's now an established Premier League player with Ch- with um, with Leicester. Um, but you hadn't really... He's been he's been good, but you've ne- he's never really been the sort of player where you go, why is he not playing for England? And, and I think over the next um, couple of seasons, I think he'll probably start to raise those questions as to why he's not playing for England because um, regularly, I mean, um, because he is a, he's a good player, decent player. And he, he, he's, um, he's one of those players that I think other teams would be, would have looked at and thought of, you know what, we, we had a good chance to sign him and I'm annoyed we didn't. Um, that being said, Leicester pretty much did what Leicester would have, you'd have expected Leicester to do in this game. Um, they pretty much, outdid Brighton in every pretty much in every single stat that you could uh, think of as well so um, I, I, I do think Graham Potter will be disappointed um, though because they, uh, they 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 did have a bit of the ball and they did have a few few digs um, Danny Welbert didn't really do much though did he again so here's what it is I mean Leicester Oh, God, they're an interesting team. Uh, for Tottenham in particular this year, I'm sorry to keep bringing up Tottenham, I just love them so. Um, Boxing Day, we're playing uh, playing Leicester. And oh. the last day of the season, we play Leicester. Oh, That's horrible, isn't it? That's absolutely, yeah. You're going to ruin my Christmas and you could potentially ruin the league for me in two seasons, in, in two when, games. When do you play uh, Chelsea at the end of the season? Uh, you must be playing them near the end of the season, no? Uh, I, do you know what? I haven't got that on my calendar at the moment. I should probably, but... Uh, you, you continue talking and I'll look. 
Okay, fine. Um, but yes, so Leicester, well done, well done to you. Three nil. Um, you are third in the Premier League. So I'm going to go through the actual current table as it stands. But one thing I want to point out, guys, is separating first to ninth is only six points. Yeah, let that sink in for a moment. Six points separating champion spot to mid-table obscurity, as they say. Right. At the top of the Premier League remains for the, what, third, fourth week now? Blimey. Tottenham Hotspur uh, with 25 points. Uh, Joint top, I suppose you have to say, with Liverpool only above them on goal difference, also on 25 points. Leicester now with that win for them propels them up to third um, with 24 points. Southampton with that win puts them on 23 points to round off the top four. Chelsea failing to win. If they did win, they would have gone joint top of the league. Uh, with Tottenham and Liverpool only one goal behind Tottenham but then again if they won they would have had a goal anyway wouldn't they so there you go Um, West Ham are then uh, in sixth sorry I didn't mean to sound so surprised (laughs) on 20 points Everton and Man United also join them on 20 points though Manchester United still do have a game in hand remember so they can go as high as fourth Manchester City then following up on 19 points again also with a game in hand they could go as high as fifth Aston Villa now currently have two games in hand um, because their game against Newcastle was, of course, called off a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, But they're on 18 points, so they could go as high as third. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Crystal Palace then in 11th on 17 points. Um, Newcastle and Wolves also joining them, but on 12th and 13th respectively, 17 points apiece. Leeds United then in 14th on 14 points, and then all the way down there on in 15th place with only 13 points is the Gunners Arsenal, not having won uh, the last five games at least, only drawing one of those. Brighton are then on 16th, only three points behind Arsenal, it must be said, on 10 points. Burnley then in 17th on nine points out of the relegation with uh, zone with that win over 15th place Arsenal. And the relegation zone is still being occupied by Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United in descending order. Uh, Fulham having eight points, West Brom having six and Sheffield United all the way down there still on one. So it's basically from, oh, I was going to say 11th downwards at the moment are technically in a bit of trouble but it's really from 15th downwards where you start to get in the three and four point goal difference and all that kind of stuff so Arsenal Brighton Burnley Fulham West Brom Sheffield United if the season was to only go on for a few more weeks you would be in the relegation dog fight lol Arsenal right there you go um that is the Premier League for this week George did you manage to find out while I was talking He's completely dead. Right. Cool. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. You can follow me at LJ Peachy. You can follow the podcast directly at Have a Crack Pod. You can also follow George at Campy WHU. And please like, share, comment, subscribe, all those things you do on social media um, to spread the word of this podcast. We're getting more and more popular every week. And we can't wait to do this all again in a couple of days' time when the next round of Premier League fixtures are done. And those fixtures 
fixtures include the likes of Liverpool versus Tottenham, West Ham versus Crystal Palace, Sheffield United go to Man uh, sorry, welcome Manchester United, and of course Arsenal have Southampton as well. Very, very juicy fixtures. Um, and thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.